0: spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer here's a camping
1: hack from ll bean to make your next trip the best yet when putting together your gear wrap a piece of duct tape around your water bottle it's barely noticeable but if another piece of
0: gear breaks or tears pull off your tape to make a quick patch or repair for more camping hacks visit youtube.com slash ll bean ll bean be an outsider
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. It's a brand new week in all things WWE, and I'm glad you joined us along for the ride. I am Keela Cash, and last I checked, that is still my real name. It has not been changed per the orders of Fight Game Media. And by my side, per the usual, is my co-captain, my right-hand man, and the sometimes advocate of on Wagner, the Wise man himself, Scott Young, who still apparently also still has his government name. Welcome back, Scott.
0: Yes, I, uh, I have not dropped the Scott part. I'm not just young yet. Uh, I've I've still been able to keep that name. But keila it's always a, a pleasure to chop it up with you and talk the week that was WWE. Um, I'm, I'm very excited about this show. This was a a better week than last week. You know, there's a lot more to look forward to. And uh big shout out to the tag division this week. They uh they 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 definitely put the tag division at the forefront, I feel like this week.
2: Definitely spotlighted in the best possible way. And I think it's very refreshing that WWE is trying not to go into this post-WrestleMania lull of we don't care in the SummerSlam because SummerSlam goes down in July. This year, a lot of stadiums to sell out for WWE as well. So it looks as if they're trying to avoid the one thing I hated all year last year, which was repeatomania, which I'm very happy about. So thankfully, WWE is trying to make Raw and SmackDown count a wee bit more every week. We wish the same could be said for NXT 2.0, though. Yeah, and,
0: you know, it's a weird thing because for a while there, I, I thought 2.0 really had a nice stride going, um, as far as telling good stories, the, the main, the main guys and girls that they were pushing and really trying to elevate were, were being elevated and used in a good way. Uh, you know, the, the crowd reactions were, were going the way they were supposed to. And for the right reasons, cause this, you know, they were doing their, you know, doing, doing good as far as the story goes, but now it just seems like it's, it's a, it's the bizarro world, you know, like, like they used to say back in the day when the raw after uh, mania was, was crazy. And, you know, you, that's what they used to call it was bizarro world. That's what it felt like feels like an NXT now. Cause the stories are a little wonky now they're just doing whatever we got kidnappings and, you know, stuff is just, is it's crazy right now. And then the booking, some of that has, has been just baffling decisions. So it's, it's, been a complete 180 from where they were and they were a a good show for a while.
2: Yes. NXT is Monday night raw from 2020 through late 2021. And that is not a good thing because the booking on raw after the pandemic started was an absolute mess and NXT was up until recently a pretty good show. It had its flaws of course, but this recent stretch of shows has been really rough. We'll get to that eventually, but I do want to start things on a different note this week because Mike Johnson from Pro Wrestling Insider has released the eternal sheets for the top baby faces and heels on Raw and SmackDown and we got rumblings of this a couple of months ago when we all knew that Drew McIntyre was the top baby face on SmackDown and number two surprisingly enough was Ricochet. and we wanted. To to ourselves ricochet really what has he done but he has since become the intercontinental champion having a good run thus far even though he was not a part of the wrestlemania card and he vows never to have that championship not defended on a premium live event again hopefully that comes true heading into wrestlemania backlash later I should say in May, I think May 8th on Peacock. So about three weeks away until the next pay-per-view or, shall I say, premium live event. But I do want to run down the list of male stars that have been designated as the top baby faces on Monday Night Raw. And in the order in which they're listed on the sheet, we have Bobby Lashley, number one, Cody Rhodes, number two, and AJ Styles, coming in at number three. So Scott, when you look at the first three names on this list, what are your thoughts? And would you reconfigure anybody on that list from one through three?
0: I I, I genuinely think it's a surprising list to see Cody Rhodes coming in as number two and number two to Bobby Lashley. And I, I get the mindset as far as Lashley being the top baby face, but you know, I'm I'm very concerned about our top babyface going 50 50 with Omos here at this next pay per view. You know, I'm I'm very concerned about because you can't you can't have MVP going a line with this guy, and then he loses his first match under MVP. You know that that completely defeats the entire reason for the formation turning Bobby completely face and losing MVP. Like the whole reason we got rid of this package was to add to Omos, so he has to win the match. So him being the number one babyface is that's weird you know that's that's kind of baffling but then I look at the roster and who else could it be you know who else could be the number one babyface so I'm shocked it's not Cody Rhodes right now he he already feels completely different and above just about everybody on the babyface side I mean just from his entrance music it's completely different than almost everybody else you know he he has good music it stands out I, I'm, yeah, that, that's kind of baffling to me as far as the babyface side goes. And it's nothing against Bobby Lashley, who's had a great last couple of years, but this guy's a heel, man. You know, and I, I don't know how this babyface run is going to go. And hopefully it doesn't last too long, in my opinion.
2: I agree. And I looked at the list. I'm saying if this was 2021, absolutely Bobby would be, the top face with the one he was having as wwe champion but right now it's 2022 and cody rhodes should be slotted as your top baby face on monday night raw i can see bobby being in the two spot aj styles is finding number three but cody rhodes for the three weeks he's been back in wwe he is obviously the top guy on monday night raw on the face side and bobby This babyface push is going to be a choice because he can only do so much on the mic. If he's comfortable, he's great. But MVP was there for a reason to guide him along. And ironically enough, on Monday Night Raw, MVP was the guy that fired Bobby up to cut the good promo down the stretch. Because up until that point, he was getting the wet chant treatment, which is never a good thing. So we know Bobby can bring it in the ring. He's very intense and very good. But as a baby face, can he really bring that emotional weight on the mic when need to be? I simply do not know. It's very hit and miss. But we know with Cody, despite his tendencies to go overboard with the drama on his promo from time to time, he can be relied upon to be the baby face you can get behind most of the time.
0: Well, you know, and I I said it from the beginning, as far as Cody Rhodes go, the thing that he's going to bring the most to WWE is going to be his promos like that's that's going to be his strongest thing yeah his matches are going to stand out because he's going to have a you know he's got a nice move set but his promo game is really what's going to set him apart because he he can just tap into emotions that other guys just just simply can't and Lashley's one of those guys when it comes to being a baby face when is a heel and he can just be this overly arrogant brush you off, not pay you no mind. Then I'll just lay you out with a quick spear that you don't see coming, put my suit back on and I can walk out. Like you can do that as a face, but it only works so many times. It's not like it's, it's not like it's this big impactful move. You know what I mean? That, that stands out. That makes people like, Oh wow. You know, like it's a shooting star press or something like that. It's a nice spear. It's a good heel move to use, especially if he goes back to that you know, cocky character, which works best for him. So maybe they just kind of lean into that and make him just the cool heel that you can really just have him go against whoever. Maybe he maybe he is the shade of gray that Cody Rhodes always wants to be. Maybe we could just do it with Bobby Lashley because he seems like it would be the most natural to just kind of have him be the arrogant guy that you just can't get one over. But he seems like he's going to be more of the smiling let me cut a, a generic babyface promo guy.
2: Yeah, and that's not going to work, especially with the crowd that's going to what you every time you try to cut the smiley babyface promo that they don't buy. As you segue to the heels on the male side of Monday Night Raw, the top heels are Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Edge and Damian Priest coming in at number four. Thoughts on this lineup.
0: Yeah, this is this is about in line with you know where where I, I would think everything would fall in. Um, I, whenever they turn Seth Rollins, I think he instantly fills that two or one slot and, and goes into that top three. But yeah, as of right now, he's he's easily um, the top the top heel on the roster. And you know what? I would I would even going back to the baby faces like I would even put Randy Orton and Riddle probably above. AJ Styles right now you know what I mean like what how AJ Styles doesn't feel like that big of a baby face it's just I I forgot to even touch on AJ how is that AJ's an afterthought that's not good um but the heel side yeah that that all sounds good Damian Priest he's elevated by association uh with Edge so there there's that but again looking at the roster where I mean, where else do you even go on the heel side? Omos, but he just came off a loss, you know, a, a big loss at WrestleMania, so he can't go there. This is where a heel Finn Balor could really be elevated right now and, and really, he could, I would even put him above Edge and Damian Priest and he could really elevate that heel side and give it a breath of fresh air. So it this looks good, but man, does not need a breath of fresh air because Edge and Damian Priest bringing up the rear is not doing it like we thought it might
2: no and we had hopes but the presentation continues to be a choice we'll get to that later on but this seems right to me seth is obviously head and shoulders above everybody else kevin owens i will say is a close second edge he is not going to be there every single week and as i mentioned last week if you're trying to get this crew over you got to have people in position that can carry it priests can do it, but my Lord, what they did with him on Monday, that it just isn't working right now, and we'll see how it goes, but... It's rough when you look at this list, and you have to see who can we elevate beyond this list. Maybe Theory. Don't call him Austin. Perhaps Finn Balor's even in the top four as being on the baby face side, on the baby face side either. So we definitely got some work to do to kind of get some people over heading into Money in the Bank, and especially SummerSlam as well, because you want people vying for these championships. And I definitely agree with you that RK Bro should be over AJ Styles on the baby face side as well.
0: I mean, just the reactions are for for RK, bro, is deafening right now. And we'll, we'll talk about it, especially when we get to SmackDown, because that was just on a whole nother level as far as babyface reactions go.
2: Absolutely. And now it's time to talk about the top babyface women on Monday Night Raw. Obviously, number one is the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. Number two is Alexa Bliss. And number three is Rhea Ripley. Well, this list might not be as surefire after Monday. We'll see about that. Bianca Belair, I'm cool with. I do not agree with Alexa Bliss being elevated over Rhea Ripley. And Rhea Ripley might not be on this list come Monday due to her possibly most likely turning on Liv Morgan. Then Liv might be in that spot eventually. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on this lineup for the babyface women of Monday Night Raw?
0: The number two babyface hasn't wrestled a match in months. It has been a no show. It's, I, I. But again, you who who could you put there? I mean, I'm I'm not the biggest Liv Morgan guy, but maybe Liv Morgan could be there. But I, I mean, I'm with you. This is, I I've I've preached this on this show, and I will I will you know stand by this. I will bear my flag in this hill and die on it. Rhea Ripley should be a pillar, man. She is a pillar, just like Bianca is. She should be protected in the same way. And the fact that she's a number two, I mean, she should, I mean, the number three behind somebody who's not even on TV, like that's, that's not going to work, man. She, I, this is why I don't want her in this tag team because she should be a number one or number two. It should be her and Bianca just trading it back and forth, whether it's her on the heel side or her on the baby face side. Um, so, Rhea Ripley's got to get elevated. That's that's got to happen ASAP because you you, you got to do this sooner. WWE is not the only place to, to go now, and WWE has shown that they're willing to just let people go. Rhea Ripley is not some is not your ordinary woman, man. She she's got something. There's something special there. You she should be elevated that that's a no brainer. That's that's a big miss on this list.
2: Yes, I think the elevation is coming very soon as we get to our heels list. And it's so important right now because Rhea is so great. We saw her on Smackdown a couple of days ago. And as you mentioned, months ago, she should have been on Smackdown away from Bianca Belair building herself up on Friday nights. And you see what could have been produced on that show On a regular basis, but no brand split Let's draft on the same show as the other pillar and let them jockey for position. And it's great eventually. But if you want to build people up, build them up separately, which builds up to the eventual confrontation. But as I keep saying, the list is subject to change very, very soon. If things go according to plan this upcoming Monday, as we get to the heels of Monday Night Raw for the ladies and obviously number one is Becky Lynch. And number two and three, Carmella and Zelina Vega, who no longer have belts, who are no longer a tag team. And I can safely say the Rhea Ripley will be slotted as number two very soon. And I would put Dewdrop as number three.
0: I, I'd put Dewdrop as number two uh, <laughs> right now. Like, yeah, that's 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 crazy, man. To think that you have those two as the top two and and it's again not a knock on them they 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 serve their purpose well um you know they're they're that they're middle of the ground you know mid card women, which is fine and you you need acts like that that can generate a reaction for the baby faces the to topple they play their roles well, but for dewdrop not to be on this list as well as she did in that short time where they really you know, tried the elevator and put her on TV and put her over as this monster for Bianca to conquer. I I, I think she deserves a lot better. She showed that she's, I mean, she's really good, man. I, and, and again, I, I've said this before, we should be very thankful that this is her in the spot and not Nia Jax. Like, Doudrop did a great job when she had her title match with Becky Lynch in that short period. She does, she's that Good to great matches with Bianca Belair every time. There's no reason she shouldn't be number two right here, easily above both Zelina uh, and Carmella. Carmella's not even going to be on TV for a while, so she shouldn't even be on the list. I, but but again, I, and this is a, a just a lack of depth, a, a lack of depth. Because who else do you even put on the list after Dewdrop, Who else is there to even put on the list? Like, I genuinely don't think there's another woman to put on the list.
2: I have to dig up Nikki A.S.H. That's the only oh, other okay. person. You got me. You got Yes. Me. And as you said a couple of weeks ago, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are we doing here with the outfit? <laughs> she showed up. Yeah, she showed back up with her <laughs> outfit. Like, come
0: on, man. Like, you had that one. You had the opportunity right there to ditch the outfit and just to go a completely different way. But you decided to show back up with it. And and then you just, you, then you were just in the corner. She was just like in the corner, like some bat or something. It was, it was strange.
2: Yes. And got beat up at a
0: bar. Oh man. And by the way, that bar scene where, where she got dragged across was one of the worst drags across the bar i have ever seen in any type of media
2: (laughs) it's just awful i mean if you're gonna do it at least make it look good right yes that was like one of the worst slides that was trying to be fast oh man but it was in slow motion it was really bad and then she popped right back up (laughs) as, as if it was nothing like i'm fine my superpowers healed me congratulations Oh, oh Lord. That's why she's not on this list. So edge bite her as soon as possible, bite her neck, make her a vampire, do as necessary and join the brood crude for the 2022s. And now it is time for the SmackDown women, baby faces. Number one, which is absolute <laughs> bullshit of the, <laughs> of the highest order. Ronda Rousey. Mm, no fam no not number one to me number two Scott alluded to this on our off-air production aspect of this show reparations number two is (laughs) Sasha Banks and Naomi coming in at number three and number four is Lacey Evans and let me be real quick let me workshop this number one is Sasha Banks number two is Naomi number three is Ronda Rousey number four is Lacey Evans but I'm just saying
0: <laughs> so, you know, WWE do think they slick though. They got, yeah, we know we'll put Ronda Rousey number two. And then you know what? We'll throw them a bone. We'll put Sasha and Naomi as two and three. What we'll, we'll throw them a bone. See, we're 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 woke. We're woke. We're we're with it. We got our fists in the air. Ain't that right, Michael Cole? Say it with your chest, Michael Cole. Um No, I you know that I I'm I'm looking I'm looking at the list now just to see who else they could even put on the baby face side and you know, you could put Zia Lee there, but they don't even remember that she's a part of the roster to put her on TV. So she can't be one of the top baby faces. It's, it's again, I'm the the thing I'm noticing with all of these lists. And the more I look at it is every single division is like five people deep. Mm-hmm. Every single division, you know, men, women, tag we're lucky if we have five deep but it's like every division is just five deep and there's i mean that's why there's no parity that's you know that's why matchups aren't able to be special aren't able to be kept fresh that's why we get you know uh, you know we get three of the same matches in a 6 week span I, I, man all those roster cuts are like for at least for me personally looking at it, like they've really come back and it's like who's left especially as a singles guy like you got some tag teams like humberto and and uh garza those are solid, could be solid singles guys but then you lose the tag team now you're down to like two tag teams the lack of depth is is really prominent especially when we're breaking it down like this
2: yeah and the you november know, cuts i keep going back to i think that was the one that was a bridge too far for wwe you cut a lot of quality people that could be assets to these shows and I think about the women baby faces on SmackDown in particular, Zia Lee. You get the great introduction, and then you say, you have nothing for her. You turn see for no reason. She could be slotted as a top tier baby face. You got Aaliyah back there as well. You've got people that you can push and then you can do side feuds not surrounding the championship. You're gonna have to do that anyway when Ronda Rousey eventually becomes a champion, unfortunately. But the fact is you got pieces that you refuse to use on TV. You, know, you put them in a dark match, but that's not good enough. And you had Dakota Kai right there for SmackDown as well in the last few Months for dark matches, but she's still on NXT for reasons I don't understand. And now you got Raquel Rodriguez in the mix there as well, potentially as babyface. You got people that can be of quality, of of quality opponents against each other on the babyface and hillsides. And unfortunately, WWE doesn't have anything to do with any of them unless you have unless you have a championship, and that drags things down. I go back to SmackDown in 2016. It was a thin division, but you know what? Everybody got fed. Becky was a champion. Alexa was a champion. Naomi was a champion. Nikki Bella fused with Carmella and Natalia and Maurice heading into WrestleMania. Everybody on that show had something to do meaningfully. This show, you got the stars, but you don't know what to do with them beyond Charlotte, Wanda Rousey. Naomi and Sasha Banks, and they should be the anchors of this division and not Ronda fucking Rousey. And I would not have said that three or four years ago, but they are so much better than her at this point. It's a shame.
1: NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away.
0: And, and the other thing is, like you, you have, and you, you mentioned, you have women even down in NXT who you're not really utilizing to their fullest, anyway. Like Io Shirai is right there, man. Like, and you want to talk about a breath of fresh air? That crowd would eat up Io Shirai when she starts hitting the moonsaults and those second rope springboards. Like, she has a different style. She's got a different energy to her. She's aggressive. That's a breath of fresh air that would really liven up that that women's division. She has history with Charlotte. You know what I mean? Like there's there's something there. Like you, 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 you you hit it on the head. They have women there. Aaliyah, that's another one. She was, you know, 317. That she had a t-shirt made for her. She was doing all these record setting things. And where's she been? She hasn't been on TV in months. But you, you, The lack of, you know, again, you can't have these people not on TV, give them a big win, take them off TV, but then you're not replacing them with somebody new. You know, you're not replacing. It's OK if you would have taken Aaliyah off and then maybe given a Shotzi for a month, you know, a solid dose of Shotzi, getting some wins. You know, then take Shotzi off. Now give us a solid dose of. I'm, I don't know, Shayna, you know, but they're not doing stuff like that. They're not keeping fresh faces in front of us when they're taking away people. They're just taking people away and off TV. Give me, give me Eo Shirai for two months. Then if you're not going to do anything different, give me her just beating a, a local talent and some squash, you know, some squash matches for a few weeks. Let me have that. I want that. I'm here for that. So they have things they could do. They just, They're happy with the way things are going, man. And it's disappointing because I genuinely think Io Shirai could be that spark the women's division needs on SmackDown.
2: Absolutely. Should have been done more than two years ago, and they're still dragging their feet to this day. There is nothing else for Io to do. Come to SmackDown already and add some much-needed life to this division, especially on the babyface side and speaking of the heels now we have the top tiers including obviously the champion charlotte flair number two Shayna baszler and number three sonia deville
0: (laughs) did you want to talk about reparations she can she can we're gonna talk about her because she just can't help herself she she just can't help herself Oh y'all, y'all got a black champion. Oh, I can't wait to come to RAW. Um, so Shayna Baszler number two. What? <laughs> what? That's re- That's cool. Where did that come from? What has she done to be the number two heel on the women's side? That is absolutely ridiculous. What? I mean, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm I'm trying to think. When's the last match she won? When's the last time she won a match on SmackDown? Because I, I can't think of it. When was the last time she's been in any type of singles contention? Because I think it's been since the pandemic era when she bit Becky Lynch in the neck and and bloodied her up. So I, but I, I'm looking at the heel side and, and you know I'm I'm shocked Sonya Deville when he put herself at number three. That that's shocking. Um, who else do you put there? What other what other female talent is available to put their shots? See, she ain't been on TV. They don't even have anybody else. Natalia, maybe, but she's the boat of NXT. Who they don't have any other women, man. There's nobody else. So I guess Shayna could be number two because she's the only wrestler that actually wrestles weekly. But Sonya Neville, we gonna get to you, girl, cause you boy, oh boy, you didn't learn nothing this February.
2: She didn't. And she had opportunities to learn the lesson. We had reparation season on lockdown and she decides to commit a second violation, which we'll get to shortly. And if I was going to keep it real, she would be my number two on the list over Shayna Baszler and Natty would honestly be number three, but At this point, it's so sad that the SmackDown heel side of things for the ladies is so weak. Nobody is there. You can't turn anyone at this point. Turn Raquel. She was a great heel for a long time on NXT. Go there. You need to balance the scales. And right now it looks pretty damn thin at this point
0: this is where and and again i i have accepted that sasha and naomi are, are just going to be a tag team and they're fine they're solid they they do a good job but this is where sasha banks as a singles it would really elevate the entire division her being you know that that top you know whether it's heel or babyface being that top single star to kind of anchor the division and just have somebody at that level. She can still do that with the tag titles. I just don't have faith that they will do that, but this is where her being a singles. And let's also talk about Bailey, not being there. Like that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, this is a huge blow that we are a huge void that has not been filled when it comes to Bailey. Like, I think Bailey has more than shown her worth. And when she comes back, we're gonna again, that's gonna be another boost that we we're gonna talk about. But she is she is really missed.
2: Yeah, and she would help smack down tremendously on the hillside will she be over as baby face upon her return sure but the hillside need jesus and she needs to come back as soon as possible because it is rough and we forgot about asuka as well she'll be great on oh, Raw or yes. smackdown as well yes. so if you bring those two ladies back as soon as possible let's go i don't want to speculate on injuries right now but they are sorely missed on these shows that can definitely balance things out on mondays and friday nights and now it's time to talk about the top heel on SmackDown. Obviously, the answer is a unified universal champion, Roman Reigns. And after that, it is an unknown. So I'm going to fill in my blanks. As my picks are, I guess I'll go with Gunther and Happy Corbin filling out the heels on SmackDown.
0: Okay. Um, I, I So I would agree with you because I think it should be Gunther, but I don't know if they're ready to give Gunther that spot. So I, do, I have Corbin at number two. And I have Sami Zayn in that third spot. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of, but I agree with, it should be Gunther in that number two spot. I just don't know if they if they view him in that in that way. They should, because he is Absolutely. the
2: best. And I would probably cheat a little bit, maybe swap out Happy Corbin for Sheamus as well, because okay. he's really good. Give me Sheamus and Gunther. That'd be five stars automatically.
0: Just saying on that show. That'd be a hard hit match too.
2: Fox, I'm going to have to say, this is too much for us. Turn it off right now. Too much violence, but I would love it. And the top baby faces, Drew McIntyre is obviously number one. Number two, eternally is Ricochet as the IC champion. And my number three is Shinsuke Nakamura. Why not?
0: Yeah, it was between uh, Nakamura and the New Day for me. Uh, You know, I still think, you know, Kofi and Xavier both could easily elevated as singles guys. Um, because I, I think Drew is Drew is head and shoulders above everybody else on the babyface side. But you know, Shinsuke, Xavier Woods, Kofi, I think those three all can get elevated pretty quick. Somebody to keep an eye on on that babyface side, though, on the SmackDown side, and we're, we'll, I think we might end up touching on it later. But Mad Cat Moss, man, he's somebody to keep an eye on on that that babyface side on SmackDown in these next few months.
2: Yes, he just the dishes of spinders and the short shorts. If they get him in some traditional gear, he really does have something. Something I talked about this months ago as well. He is a big house out there that is charismatic. Even though I did not like the character, he does have charisma that stands out in a good way and he can work. And if they just push him and let him have a string of good weeks beyond the first two, he's got something they can definitely use heading into money in the bank season, really push him that far and see what he can do in that particular spotlight on that stage in Las Vegas, just go with it, have some fun, take a risk in pushing a new face. He definitely has it. If they just ditch the look, which isn't working for me, even though aesthetically pleasing. Yes. He's very nice to look at, but I need him in some traditional gear very, very soon. And now it's time to talk about the NXT rosters. Now, we don't have an official list of people lined up in order, but I do have my picks on the men's side. Obviously, number one will be the NXT champion, Braun Breaker, followed by the North American champion, Cameron Grimes. And coming in at number three for me, I am going to go with Solo Sequoia. Hmm.
0: Okay. Um. So, and... This is before, I, and I made you know, when I made this list, I, I completely forgot that uh, LA Knight was apparently showing up as a manager on the main roster, so this throws off my list. Uh, you know, <laughs> god dang it, man. Um, LA Knight was my number two after Braun Breaker, and then my number three, and this really happened after this past week. I think the Creed brothers are really establishing themselves as just a perennial crowd favor i think that crowd has really kind of grown attached to the creed brothers on that baby face
2: side agreed i like them as well i was tempted to go there or put a tag team there but i decided to go with solo who's getting over now via the bloodline language and the lingo going around on that show and he might be called up very soon to join his bloodline which i would love to see as everybody levels up on that show and the top heels according to myself are carmelo hayes I got Santos Escobar at number two. And number three, I've got Tony D'Angelo.
0: So I didn't have Santos Escobar because I know he is a heel, but the crowd just genuinely enjoys him. Like I, you know, and so it's a weird dynamic for me. I have Carmelo Hayes as number one. I have Grayson Waller as my number two. And I also have Tony D as my number three, but Santos Escobar gets a good reaction, but it's so you know one week he's is getting booed depending who he's in the ring with, but then the next week he's getting completely cheered. So he's definitely more of a who's he facing in the ring, but he he definitely should be on one of these two lists. I just don't know which week to put him on which one.
2: Yes, it definitely goes by crowd reactions, and it could be Santos being a babyface very soon against Tony D'Angelo. So that is why you're kind of conflicted as to where do you put him, and it's completely understandable because he does get great reactions from the crowd and we get on this crowd sometimes but legato is very popular and at this point why not flip them into badass baby faces at this point as you segue to the baby face women of nxt now this list is fluid it could change at a moment's notice like somebody's first and last names so as for right now until further notice my top three and or four are io shirai dakota kai Cora jade and Nikita lyons
0: yeah i mine are pretty much the same i have dakota kai as my number one i think she still has some unfinished business with mandy rose i think she i think she's going to get a run with the belt at some point she i mean she's probably the one of the best women to never have the nxt title and she's been there a while um her i have Corey jade at number two as much as I'd love to put EO on the list, I don't think they care about EO as much as we do. You know, and that's unfortunate. So I have Nikita Lyons as my number three.
2: That's fair. And for my heels, obviously, number one is Mandy Rose as the NXT Women's Champion. Number two, flying by on a Tuesday night, Natalia. And shockingly enough, at my number three is none other than Lash Legend. Hmm.
0: I, I I like the last her she has she has a great personality she's got a great handle on her, on her character and if she gets the in ring she she's gonna be a problem like she could be something really good because um, she's got great size to her too I also have you know Mandy Rose is a clear number one after this week Natalia. Has established herself as number two. Um, I have Persia as my number three. I I think she's a, a heel, and people hate her, and her makeout sessions make people hate her even more. So, uh, she's my my number three.
2: Now, here's something that's disturbing that I have to admit. I cannot believe I'm going to say this on a live microphone, but I am. I live in a world where I am not repulsed. By a Persia Parada sticking her tongue down Duke Hudson's throat, but I am appalled at Sammy Guevara and Ty Conti doing the exact same thing on AEW television.
0: <laughs> it, you know, what, that is funny because I, I I understand it because when I see Indian Dexter having that nice you know missionary makeout session that they do, I'm like, you know, this is, that's okay, that's cool, you know, what? I, I'm okay with that. But then you're right, I see Sammy and, and Ty. You know they're they're like yeah NC17 over here NC17 Sammy over here so you know they're they're doing their thing it's like nah I'm good on y'all I see y'all took Cody and Brandy's spot and was like yeah we'll we'll take that spot right here give me another uh, title while we're at it spoiler alert. <laughs>
2: <laughs> as we're talking Sammy is now a three-time TNT champion as AEW works to eradicate Cody Rhodes from the history books as three-time TNT champion yep. it really happened I don't get it but yes I prefer Persia making out with Duke like that and saying well you know what I want love like that I want lust like that over whatever the hell Sammy and Ty are doing on AEW TV <laughs> that's how down bad this is but hey Love is love, is it not?
0: It is what it is, right?
2: Yes. As we segue to Monday Night Raw, after running down this entire list of stars representing Raw and SmackDown and NXT and saying, we need some more depth on these shows. Damn, these roster cuts. And I know there was some teasing regarding April 15th, Doomsday was here. Not quite, but let's not forget that quarterly earnings reports will be dropping very soon. And that is when cuts do tend to happen. But happily to say, the first cuts outside of NXT No main roster releases for the first quarter as of yet, but the year is still young. And hopefully our top story is not cuts in the immediate future. But let's get to Monday Night Raw, shall we? Going down live from Detroit, Michigan, Michigan, and we kick things off with Cody Rhodes' possibly having the most expensive pyro budget in all of WWE. This dude came out twice in an hour with the most elaborate pyrotechnics display that put the Miz to shame saying, wow, we just spent the entire budget for the year with Cody's entrance, which was spectacular. We got like waterfall, the fog and pyro and more pyro and more pyro and Miz can't stand it as he disses the Detroit lions. How can the lions have fans? understandable, but I really enjoyed Ms. TV. I cannot believe I said I really enjoyed Ms. TV. Ms. was good in this role. Cody was great as a baby face, soaking in the cheers from the people. And I love the aspect of Cody trying to be The guy that speaks like a normal human being using words like wrestler and championship belt and the Miz saying superstar and belt is something you pull your pants up with. Like, I love the dichotomy of these two guys using human speak and WWE buzzwords and a segue into a pretty good match between the two. During the top of the second hour, right at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern, it was good. I like the psychology of The Miz going after the leg of Cody Rose, locking in the figure for leg lock, and Cody reversing it, hitting the Cody cutter and the crossroads for the win. And at ringside with Seth Rollins scouting Cody, and he wants a rematch against Cody Rhodes at WrestleMania Backlash because now he knows his opponent. He knows he can plan ahead, and Cody agrees, and Seth dances around Cody, and taunts him to wrap up. A very good night for Cody once again. Over with the people. I love the opener of the show, and he has the most elaborate entrance in WWE besides Roman Reigns. And if you're not a top tier babyface with that, I don't know what to say.
0: I mean, yeah. I, in, I mean, Cody is essentially you know in AEW he was the WWE guy. That's that's all. He, that's pretty much was his entire gimmick. Like that's that's what he did. Here in WWE, he's the AEW guy. He's the he's that outcast. He does everything different. I'm glad you touched on him talking about, uh, you know, the belt and stuff like that. And the Miz at being the the WWE robot that he is. You know, that's my guy. Don't don't get me wrong. That's my guy. But he is what he is. You know, and there's nothing wrong with that. He is what he is. Quick to be like, hey, no, no, that's what you hold your pants up with, big guy. We don't we don't wear those. Those aren't gold. Those aren't worth anything. You know, so. I, I love that you brought that up because th- that adds to it. Like it, it kind of makes Cody. It, like I said, it makes Cody this this outcast, this loner, and they have a nice little history. I was shocked that he got fireworks twice. I'm like, "Really? Y'all y'all blowing <laughs> this dude like that?" I mean, god, dang. Was this in the contract? Cuz I don't cuz if so, I don't ever want to see this dude in some type of gauntlet match. Cuz then I'm gonna have to <laughs> sit through this pyro every single time. Like you know, sometimes when they they have baby face they'll have him wrestle like at the top of the hour, then at the 9 o'clock hour, then again at the man. I don't want to see that with Cody if I'm going to get pyro three times. Don't need to see the pyro three times. And I don't, honestly, I don't even need to hear... There's more than one royal family more than once. Like, just give me that the first time I get him. And then the next time, just give me straight to the music. Let's not kill his entrance, man. His entrance is special. Don't kill his entrance already because I'm already getting sick of it. And he has a great entrance. So let's not do that. Uh, The match was okay. The Miz played his part. He got the crowd riled up. Cody was just trying to be a nice guy. Miz was being a dickhead and he's great at doing that. You know, I am genuinely surprised that Cody was able to keep the Cody cutter with the RKO being as proficient as it is. Uh, But apparently Randy's just loaning it out to everybody. So I guess he was like, yeah, sure, Cody, you can borrow the Cody cutter, too. You can use the cutter if you want, because I'm going to let Riddle start doing it. We'll talk about that later on. But yeah, this is great. Good start for Cody Rhodes. Uh, Anybody that was questioning why it was the Miz, I hope you watch this because there should be no questions after that.
2: Absolutely. The Miz did his job perfectly and we told everybody there's nothing for you to worry about. Cody was getting the win. It was all good. Miz and Cody are very good friends. They had fun with this on Monday night. And I think that the pyro is in Cody's contract because the Cody Vader was a bit extra in Dallas. They had this big-ass box they had to get on, and it just malfunctioned. It didn't look right. So Kevin Dunn said, you know what, Cody? We're going to give you the most expensive pyrotechnics in WWE. Not once, but twice in one night, because last week they botched it, and it was late, and Cody had that look on his face. He's like, oh, y'all fucking up already. He had that look. This week, he was happy. Smiling before pyro, during pyro, mid-pyro, and to get it twice in a span of an hour. You were doing the most, Cody. And for that, I love you. But at the exact same time, never do that again because you will run that entrance to the ground and the fans won't care as much. You get one good pop a show. Don't try your luck trying to get it twice. And now I was trying to give this new Damien Priest a fair shake. I like the look and the very thick five o'clock shadow that Scott talks about on a regular basis. I love the new look for Damien Priest. And he had a match against AJ Styles. That was very good. Yeah, he some heavy hits, nice striking. AJ Styles, seasoned vet, doing his thing. Damian Priest, doing the same. So AJ Styles goes for the phenomenal forearm, and Damian Priest knocks him off the ring apron and onto the floor. Then the lights go out, like he's the fucking fiend, and the blue spotlight shines brightly in the center of the ring, and through the magic of really shitty cinematography he poses and he looks as if he is turning into a vampire before my very eyes and then we go to a commercial break and (laughs) and then we come back from commercial break and the goddamn match is over we don't know who won who was counted out who was DQ'd? AJ is backstage wondering what happened, and he vows revenge on Edge and Damien Priest. And when Scott tweeted about this, I tweeted below his tweet and basically posted the Fonz jumping over the shark. This is jumping over the fucking shark. Shark, Why are we doing this? I have been on this show and on my own podcast for months talking about how much I despise Mr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde by way of Rosemary's baby version of Damien Priest. I hated it. I couldn't stand it. The eyeliner, the bugged out eyes. I hated it. And Now we want to add fucking blue spotlights and I'm frowning and having the teeth. Just what are we doing? Are we trying to be literal vampires here? I'm not opposed to that, but you do too much, WWE. We're not in a Thunderdome. You can't get away with this shit. You can't do this. And every time I think they're trying to get things right with Damien Priest, you do stuff like this that absolutely turn me off. And I hated this with every fiber of my being. And I'm afraid as to what's next for the Edge, Brood, Crude. More this... More of this with Rhea Ripley now having the same blue spotlight and posing and frowning like a vampire with special effects. I don't want this for her. So please workshop this WWE. No wonder Edge said, no, this week I'll pass. I'm going to spend time with Beth and the kids and just say, hell no to this. But even though deep down he's going to be associated with this somehow, some way.
0: My my, you know, I'm, I'm gonna keep this real short and sweet. My reaction is: Brody King was right. <laughs> Bro, Brody King was right. This this right here. This this right here. This nonsense. This is a wish version of the House of Black and any other houses. The House of of you know Targaryen. Even we can go Game of Thrones. You know, the House of the Lannisters. All that. This is. This is sports entertainment at its worst. This is terrible. They ruined a good match. There's no need for this. You can have Damian Priest being just a weird goth dude who thinks, you know, he has to act a certain way without going over the top like this. Like, what the hell was he doing? Was he going Super Saiyan for? I thought he was going Super Saiyan for me. For a second there, I thought he was just gonna vanish or fly off or something. Like he had a harness on. This was just one of the, the dumbest things I've ever seen. And the fact that they went to a commercial and came back with nothing going on. Like I thought just the match was going to continue and he was going to be super aggressive and have contacts in, but no, he, and we, and so my thing is he didn't leave the ring. Where'd the referee go? What, what, he was supposed to be counting. Did he count AJ Styles out? Because that should be a count out victory for, for Damian Priest. Cause there's no reason AJ Styles shouldn't have came back in the ring. I, so a lot of questions, no answers, and you know what? Don't need any answers. Hopefully, they just act like like they do with a whole bunch of stuff. This segment never happened. Edge comes back and goes, "What was up with the blue light, dude? Why'd you do that? Who won the match? Did the ref? Did the referee count anything? Who knows? Let me. This was stupid. I I, I hated it.
2: Nothing else can be said about it, honestly. I hope they never do it again, and they need to stop with this blue spotlight bullshit. I'm so done with it. It washes out my TV. I can't see shit. I can't see anything. It's awful, and it's overproduced, and it's just so out of pocket on this show. We're not in a Thunderdome anymore. You cannot try this stuff and think it can fly with a live audience. It simply will not. Let Damien Priest get over as his brooding sexy self let him do his thing in the ring naturally organically and stop trying to do extra shit every time i try to say finally here is the real damian priest they take five steps back and here's hoping very very soon they can take 10 steps forward by getting away from the supernatural crap that is not for everybody everybody cannot be an undertaker only he can have a spotlight like that and somehow some way pull it off with the tongue and the rolling eyes Everybody is not skilled for that. And Damian Priest, despite how much I like him, is not fit for that role in particular. And now, in more annoying news, because we thought that we were past reparation season, we thought Mm -hmm, we mm. achieved the dream when Naomi beat Sony Deville back in January and February. It was beautiful. We celebrated Naomi's victory. But now Sonya Deville is back for the big payback. Maybe she watched Atlanta and saw that episode about reparations. And she decided, you know what? Now I want a shot at the Raw Women's Championship. Because Bianca Belair has no opponents as of right now. And Sonya Deville told Adam Pearce that I have her next opponent lined up. So she teases us with, could it be Becky Lynch? Could it be Dewdrop? Could it be Alexa Bliss? Could it be anybody on this roster going against you? for this Raw Women's Championship. And Bianca Belair can smell some bullshit a mile away, but she's a fighting champion. She is the toughest. She's the bravest. She's the best. So she wants to take whoever is coming her way. So she signs the contract blindly. And we have a drum roll from Sonya Deville saying, and your opponent is... And Bianca turn around, and she turns around looking at the main stage, and Sonya clips the left leg of Bianca Belair. She beats her ass, and she says, hey, Bianca, me, Sonya Deville... I'm your next opponent, I'm the one that breaks barriers, I'm the trailblazer here, I'm the next one up. And I'm like, really, here we go again. I'm sensing a pattern. And the pattern is, you like targeting black women, Sonia Deville, First, it was Naomi for five months. You would never give her her match on SmackDown until Vince McMahon forced your hand. And now you weasel your way into the Raw Women's Championship match at WrestleMania Backlash against Bianca Belair, abusing your power and getting away with it again and again. And all I got to say is, reparations, bitch. Reparations is coming your way again in May. We can get it twice just in time for Juneteenth, damn it.
0: Yeah, Juneteenth is coming for show. Um, let me... So, Becky Lynch had that title for a year. Um, I know Charlotte had the title for a while. And they even did a couple things together. I ain't never seen her go after one of them titles. Not a Not a single... Not even a hint of going after one of those titles... But lo and behold, Bianca Belair win a title <laughs> in it. here. Here come old Sonia Candy from Django, you know, running trying to get somebody else for her field. Oh, I got one. I think I got one right here. What is going on? Like, they have to know what they're doing with this, right? Like, they have to be aware that Sonia Deville just terrorized. I'm talking 12 years a slave uh, Naomi for the last five months. And now she's about to go and she might try and cut Bianca's hair. She's gonna do something dastardly. This I I I do not like what they're doing with Sonia. Um, I need, I need, and and you know what? I could see WW being like, yeah, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna hold off until uh until Juneteenth. Yeah, I think I think that'll be a perfect day for Sonia to get her comeuppances. When what what they you know what? Let me let me look at my calendar real quick. Let me see what day Juneteenth falls on. Just just in case they might try and pull. Oh, you know what? They might. They just might try and pull a stunt on Juneteenth. So, yeah, that that's what I'm going with. I, I think Bianca Belair is going to finally get her come comeuppance on Juneteenth. Reparations.
2: Sounds about white. <laughs> <laughs> i mean it does sound white right about white because listen hell in a cell is around juneteenth time so it's possible but in all seriousness though the optics do not look good Sonya had a chance to go after becky and charlotte when they threw the belts at each other and you didn't want a shot then but when bianca belair wins her match at wrestlemania now you want to roll around and get your shot in now Okay, but at least WWE is avoiding the trap of having Becky Lynch be back in the fold because we hear the bluebirds birds for Bianca Belair every now and then because Becky is still incredibly popular. And I'm glad they're trying to separate the two for now. Let Bianca breathe as the new Raw Women's Champion and get back to Becky later. And better I give Becky something new to do against a plethora of opponents that can definitely fill out the Monday Night Raw roster for the women's division. That's important right now and get her back on track as an eventual babyface once again. It's a nice stopgap in between, but here's hoping that true challengers like maybe an Asuka, a Bailey, or oh, an Alexa Bliss can get into the fold here Against Bianca Belair sooner rather than later, then build to maybe Rhea Ripley at SummerSlam, which would be my marquee match as the jumping start for possibly Rhea Ripley being a long-term Raw Women's Champion once again.
0: Yeah, and I do want to say that the the segment was good. Like I I think it was a good job, and and this was probably one of the smartest things they've done. You know, me me being all serious about it because. Sonya Deville is going to get Bianca cheered. She's going to get everyone to rally behind her and get people to really get behind Bianca. So this was actually really smart of WWE to to segue into Sonya Deville, uh, especially with the way Adam Pearce is reacting. It makes it really seem like she's just going rogue. When Bianca still beats the odds, it's going to add a nice little notch in Bianca's belt. And it gives them a little time to figure out what Because I'm sure they don't have a plan, but this should give them time to figure out what you're going to do next and who you who you need to be building up. Like right now, they should be building up the next challenger for Bianca after she vanquishes Sonya Deville.
2: Absolutely. And that's very important right now for WWE. And it played it smart, even though the reparations aspect is a bit much to run it back twice in a span of seven months is definitely a choice. And I see you, WWE. I see you. And I don't like the optics, but hopefully reparations are coming again for Bianca Belair. Hopefully before Juneteenth. Of course, as we segue to the main event featuring the Usos, the reigning defending SmackDown tag team champions versus the street profits Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins. And I thought this was a really good main event. Montez Ford, The flip dive on the outside, the dance in front of RK-Bro was everything. And I love the closing moments. We get the Avalanche blockbuster once again for Montez where he cashes out on Jay for a very close near fall, but he eventually falls to the 1D by the Usos. And I thought this was a really fun match that woke up the Detroit crowd. It was getting a little bit tired during the last hour of the show. When you got two tag teams out there putting in that work, it's always going to liven up the crowd, which it did this past Monday. And when the show was over, We got some heelish street profits going after Riddle and Montez Ford was a lame duck for Randy Orton as he got RKO'd and the Usos laid out Randy with a double super kick and they posed all of the gold or silver in this case. They're going to unify those tag team titles very, very soon. But I do wonder... Will the Street Profits eventually turn heel? They've been eating losses a lot lately, and when that tends to happen, you might go to the dark side and say, what can we do to be champions once again? I think they are one of the more reliable teams in WWE that can do both. We have not seen the Profits be heels on the main roster so far, and I think that would be a nice switch up for them, whatever happens at WrestleMania Backlash when those team titles are unified, when it's RK-Bro versus the Usos.
0: You know, I, the more I think about, you know, with this unification match, I'm, I'm not opposed to that because if you really, if you unify the tag titles, man, you have a very solid tag division. I mean, you, especially combining both shows, even a team that's, you know, a team like a Ziggler Root is still a solid team that you can have somebody, you can have baby faces beat to build themselves up and still put on good matches like That's a solid tag division top to bottom when you combine the rosters like that. Um, The match was good. Uh, I really enjoy the Usos using the 1D. I think that's a, a really nice touch for them. It fits what they're doing. Montez Ford is a star waiting to blossom, waiting to get his own shine. That dive to the outside was spectacular. Him dancing in front of Randy and Randy playing along, you know, Randy's having a ball with this. So he was like, okay, okay. I like that. I like that. Like, you know, Randy, one of the guys. So, you know, afterwards they went and did their thing. Um, you know, they went and had a little bit of the the riddle strand, the RKO strand, the RK bro <laughs> strand. Um, the the, the, tag type, the tag division got a lot of love this week, and I was really here for it. It was a lot of fun to see. I really am hoping that this is the main event of that, that WrestleMania backlash pay-per-view. You mentioned the Street Profits acting more heelish. And the losses they've been taking, if that's a sign of things to come, I would love for MVP to kind of form a newer Hurt Business. You know, a Hurt Business 2.0, whatever it may be. Omos is kind of that monster piece that you're building up. I think the Street Profits would be perfect alongside MVP, that type of that style. Just, you know, that everything about MVP, I think the Street Profits would fit right in. And imagine Montez Ford just being that annoying pest, talking smack, and being able to hide behind an Omos. You know, he hides behind Angelo first. That's not big enough. Then he hides behind Omos. Like, there's a lot of fun things we could do with that. And I think MVP could, they hyped themselves up great. Imagine MVP is another mouthpiece to him. I would love to see them with MVP and Omos if if that's a route they were going to go like a hurt business 2.0.
2: It would be elevated and so much fun, and Montez would be a great past on the mic, and he would antagonize his opponents. He's got it, and he just needs a time. He just needs a time to showcase it in a more fully realized way. We see pieces of it every now and then on Monday Night Raw, especially when you get that promo on Randy Orton saying, no, we're next in line. We're not going to be waiting until after WrestleMania. We want our shot right then and there. And I like that intensity from him. And he can be a big time star that can break through via that faction. And I love the profits. Eventually they will split. And I do see the value in Montez Ford. Don't sleep on Dawkins either. He's very good as well. I think he's one of the best Really upstarts from NXT from five or six years ago that is coming to his own. But I do think a heel run for the profits is something that will benefit them greatly whenever this tag team situation is sorted out after WrestleMania backlash. So all in all, this was a pretty solid episode of Monday Night Raw. Tag team wrestling spotlighted in a positive way and it continued on Friday Night SmackDown. But right now we're going to switch our attention to NXT 2.0. And the crowd was less annoying this week, thankfully. Maybe they listened to us because they were definitely in a zone last week, which wasn't very good. But for those that went to have a good time, shout out to you as always. And to those that decided to be on their best behavior, kudos to you. Even though for some reason, we got a segment of fans that don't like Braun Breaker. I don't understand that. And on top of that, we had a small section of trolls chant, we want Gacy. And at this point, I want a lifetime ban for those fans to even suggest such a thing. We want Joe Gacy. When, where, how, why? No, 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 no. And they got him. As we are happy to report that Rick Steiner is back home safe after being kidnapped last week by Joe Gacy and Harlan. He was tied up, locked up in a cage. But Braun Breaker was able to save his father and bring him back to Kennesaw, Georgia. But in the meantime, in between time, Joe Gacy steals the WWE Hall of Fame ring of Rick Steiner and throws in a bonfire. And this ring is indestructible. It will not melt. It will not burn. And besides, Vince can commission another ring for Rick Steiner. So, Boohoo on the ring it's a symbolism of hard work and blood sweat tears and sacrifices blah 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 then later in the show Joe Gacy reappears and he pulls the ring from the fire and puts it around his finger as if he's a warlock so I am <laughs> stunned by this direction for the NXT championship feud between Braun Breaker and apparently Joe Gacy and Joe Gacy is by far the worst cult leader I've ever seen in my life a cult leader is supposed to be charismatic is supposed to have a flock of people that follow him religiously a guy that has a sexual magnetism to him this guy is just a creep a bad second-rate actor Kevin Owens light offers nothing in terms of depth it's all one note very cartoony Harlan is just a guy that might be a low-rent version of Lars Sullivan That's how bad he is right now. Just a vacuous person that has nothing to offer. And Joe Gacy and Braun Breaker for this championship. I am not here for it. This is definitely a choice, not a good one. And the fact we got fans chanting for Joe Gacy over Braun Breaker. Vince McMahon, October cannot come fast enough to draft this man to our SmackDown to free him from this PC crowd.
0: Yeah, this isn't very good. Uh, the ring, though, I do I would like to clarify about that. That is uh, Sauron's ring, the one uh, power ring from Lord of the Rings. Uh, the one ring to rule all rings. That's why, why when you put it in the fire, see what they didn't show. was if they would have did a close-up, there was an, in, an inscription on the ring when you put it in the fire. And that's what Joe Gacy was reading. So when he took it out and put it on his finger, he was trying to give himself a tattoo. That's what was going on there. That was that whole thing. Um, this is absolutely re- Oh by the way, and that ring was also made out of wait for it, the golden egg. Uh it's all connected. It's all connected, it's all one big story. They'd say WWE doesn't tell long-term stories. Come on. Now that is a long-term story. We haven't even got the payoff yet. We haven't even real we haven't even figured out how Vince McMahon melted that, that egg into that ring and where the rest of the egg is. Who else has a ring? What other encryptions are hidden around the world? This has layers to it. You want to talk about fine storytelling? Joe Gacy in that ring, the power ring, the golden egg. This is, this is fine storytelling at its best. I never want to see it again.
2: <laughs> Terrible. This is just trash. Oh. Terrible, to ch- quote Charles Barkley. Terrible. This is trash. This is the bottom of the barrel for feuds for NXT that we have Joe Gacy as the top challenger for Braun Breaker. Grayson Waller would be better in this spot over Joe Gacy. But here we are, and I hope it works out for them. My man, Braun Breaker, I'm going to pray for you because now you got to go through the trials and tribulations of what Johnny Wrestling went through. At one point, Johnny Wrestling, Johnny Gogana was booed by this crowd In the late 20-teens, believe it or not, they were down bad on Johnny Wrestling. He won the back over. Here's hoping that Prime Breaker can win these fans over. But I got a feeling that trolling season is upon us, and I hope that he can work his ass off to overcome it. As we get to... Babyface is booked like idiots on this show. With respect, I say, because we had two championship matches involving Cameron Grimes versus Solo Sequoia for the NXT North American Championship and Mandy Rose versus Dakota Kai for the NXT Women's Championship. And both matches ended via distractions because Solo is putting in that work. He caught a cave in and two, a Samoan Drop was going up top with a frog splash to win the championship. Then Trick Williams comes out there to distract Solo. So Solo decides, you know what? I'm going to frog splash Trick on the floor and I'm going to cost myself the match by getting back in the ring and getting caved in by Cameron Grimes. Boo hoo. Then Dakota Kai, she's in position to win. She's a chiropractor on Mandy Rose and toxic attraction, and interferes for a bit, and Dakota Kai actually super kicks Jesse Jane off the ropes, but she stupidly grabs one of the NXT Women's Tag Team title belts, holds it lovingly. Then Mandy Rose knees her in the face in two set championship belt in full view of the referee, and she retains the NXT Women's Championship. The matches were fine, but my God, the baby faces were made to look like absolute idiots.
0: I, I mean what, what can i say about that like instead of instead of trick williams running out and solo being like oh cool you came to watch me frog splash from a closer view here's the middle here's the middle finger while i fly off the top and pin him for the title <laughs> like no i'm gonna jump on the u instead I'm, I'm gonna try i'm gonna take a chance and injure myself for no reason when i could just do the splash give you the finger and you still get pissed off like i regardless i'm winning the match whether you come in and dq me or i walk away with the belt simple Uh, you you go for the win like it's not a ladder match you know and like this doesn't even fit his gimmick like it's not like it's it's a it's a time to go viral like grayson waller could say like it doesn't that does not fit his gimmick at all (laughs) what, what, what? <laughs> Never mind. Uh, it, it's it's so frustrating, man, because I thought that was Solo's best match he's had in NXT. And I thought it was a really good match, and I was really like impressed with what was going on. The match was really good. And then he just... A, a baby faces look stupid. And then Cameron Grimes, he's the smartest baby face in the room because he's like, screw that. I'm caving your chest in for being dumb. Like, the smartest guy in the room right there. And then you got... Dakota Kai and Mandy Rose, the match wasn't that strong. And like the belt, and the belt was still in the ring when the refs counting. And then we, the aftermath where they decided to, you know, have a water gun fight. I I mean, we know why we're doing this because we have a, a 70 year old man who's like, yeah. Let's uh, let's shoot them all with water. They're already gonna be sweating. Let's just shoot them all with
1: water. <laughs>
0: like we we know what that is. We we know what the we know what the thought process is there. But like, ooh, man, is, is this NXT's version of Kurt Angle in the milk truck? Is 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 this is this NXT's iconic milk truck moment? Is this you know is this gonna be played in the highlight reels? Windy Chew blasting everybody with super soakers. This was not good either, man. Like, the beginning of the NXT was good, and then it seems like the middle was just, oof.
2: It was rough, and I knew it was a bad sign because Dakota had the Nickelodeon colors in her gear. Right. And I was like, oh, here we come. And here, and here is Wendy Chu, Stone Cold Wendy Chu with the super soakers, All we needed was some slime, and it would have been perfect. That would have been a better sell job, actually, by toxic attraction, because you're selling like Stone Coat is spraying you all with beer. We got people flopping like a fish. It was terrible, awful. And I felt for Dakota, because she did her job, but Mandy Rose did not. She was rough in this match, was unable to take any of Dakota Kai's offense correctly. The chiropractor was just a mess. I did not like the roll-up to a crucifix pin. None of it. Nothing really looked strong in this match. And it really exploited the weaknesses of Mandy Rose's in-ring game. Still, she's a great character, but the in-ring work is iffy every time she's out there, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I mean, where do you go, though? You know, I, I've said I, I think Dakota Kai will get a run, but... Her as a heel, I think, would have been the way to go, especially obsessing over the title and that being kind of the anchor of why, you know, she's able to hit that next gear in the controlled rage. I think that would have been a good story to tell with her as the champion, very similar to Champa, Champa and Goldie. But where do you go? I mean, who do you who do you belt? Cora is definitely not ready. I don't want to see. Natalya get the bell because then it feels too similar to what they did with Ziggler, and they botched the ending with that. And Braun Breaker, where do you go, man? I, you know, me personally, I, I you know, taught you touched on it too. Io Shirai is right there, but they don't seem to want to do that. So I, I just don't know where you go because this show, as far as the women's division goes, unless it's a big multi-person match, is definitely more about them as characters, and and let's keep it one hundred, just being sex sex symbols out there for the nxt brand like that's that's what they're there for that's why they're belted and why they're prominently featured and why probably they come on after nine o'clock all the time
2: yes horny hours right at nine o'clock right at the top every tuesday night it never fails but sex can only go so far it can only sell so much and you know the calling card for the women's division was great wrestling for a very long time. And we get that sometimes, but the quality has dipped recently. And I like Mandy, but she's not completely there as a performer. And Tuesday's performance was a clear indication of that. And I felt for Dakota Kai because she did every. Right. Because we know what Dakota can do. And Mandy has moments too, but they didn't, they they simply did not mesh well together this past Tuesday. As we segue to Cora J now, I want to add, I want to add this to our NXT list of topics. As she cut, I thought, what was a very good promo, talking about her experience at WrestleMania, talked about standing deliver, having her parents in the second row, couldn't afford front row tickets just yet, still on that NXT budget. And the fact that the fans in Boo Her. That's good for you because these fans are fickle and she grabbed them from the opening word and she was really authentic and real saying that she needs to be the champion someday. She wants to be the champion. It's her dream to do so. And I like that for her. She has a long way to go, but a key to being successful is being real and authentic. And she's got that. And then surprisingly enough, she's interrupted by Natalia who gets maybe one of the best ovations of her entire career. This crowd treats her as if she is the superstar of superstars. She legit gets emotional. Cora Jade is fangirling a little bit too much for me. That was extra. But Natalia talks about you know how proud she is of cora jade she's the future and cora remembers meeting natty which is legit years ago at a house show and now she dm'd her and they traded messages back and forth for a bit there are pictures there is legit evidence of this and natalia tells cora jade that you are the future of nxt but the future is bleak I'm, su- I- I'm surprised she didn't say the future is bleak bitch and slap her but she did slap her and she locked in a nasty sharpshooter Wearing Louis Vuitton boots, by the way. So she was real fancy locking in that submission hold and making Cora J tap out. And then she walks around backstage at the Student Center of NXT 2.0 and she puts the locker room on notice that the boat is here and she's going to whip these girls into shape. And I'm here for Natty being on NXT 2.0. She did this eight years ago for Charlotte Flair. She was a part of the NXT. Women's Championship Tournament trying to be the new champion after Paige dropped the belt after beating AJ Lee for the Divas Championship after WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans. And Natalya gave Charlotte Flair the match of her life at the time at one of those early takeovers in Full cell It was a great match, a watershed moment for the women's division. And Natalya can definitely add value and flavor to NXT 2.0 help this women's division, which needs to help right now, now more than ever. And Cora Jade would be a great great benefactor of that in due time. She's got something and Natty is the perfect person to help her along the way. I enjoyed the segment and on night one of Natalia being on 2.0 she was the best. She's ever been on the mic. I don't know what it is about 2.0 that you walk through the portal and you are better than you ever was on the main roster in terms of personality.
0: I uh, watching this segment it made me very thankful that Paige was never a part of this 2.0 uh, because I, I just, I can't imagine her being able to flourish the way she did just in this environment. Uh, Cause I'm watching core Jade who I think they see as this, the second coming of Paige and the way they've been positioning her and uh, presenting her uh, it's you know, I, I'm, I just, I think about that all the time. Like some of the, some of the people we got, Who, if they were to came later on, would be coming through like uh, American Alpha, you know? Like, just I know this is completely random, but this is this is what I was thinking about watching this segment with Cora Jade. Like, what if this was Paige right now? We wouldn't get the, we wouldn't have got those great matches and that great title reign that she had because of the way it's set up. And it's just, I don't know, man. Maybe it was just Cora Jade that was giving me these types of vibes because I just. I think she's been given plenty of and, and, and this is why they had obviously why they brought Natalia down to work with her because they see something in her. But it's just I feel like if anything, she is she's the one that's being like, God dang, we doing everything we can for this girl. I mean, we gave her a huge spot at um at, at the at the War Games match. We had to change her singles match because we didn't think she was ready to go with Mandy Rose. And now we're bringing Natalia down to make sure she's really Like, boy, oh, boy! I, I mean, she's young. Don't get me wrong, but we, they, they are really putting the lot behind Cora Jade. Like, I feel like she's getting the Braun breaker treatment from the women's side, and maybe she, maybe she has that type of potential. But I mean, they, they are really going out of their way to make sure that she gets every, like, every opportunity to succeed and be great. And if she's not able to learn and really pick it up from Natalia, who is not a world-class worker, but is solid in just about every aspect of the game, I don't know what more you can do with her.
2: That's a big test because if you can't produce magic against Natalia, we got a problem. And I understand what they see in Corey Jade. I do see it. She's a ways away from where she needs to be. And there is a young lady on NXT Level Up by the name of Roxy, now known as Roxanne, she's way ahead of Cora Jade in this game. And she could be in this spot right now vying for the NXT Women's Championship. She could eclipse her in due time. And it's all dependent on what Cora Jade does right here in this moment. And she's got to deliver the most complete performance of her career against Natalia, And it cannot be a practice run that you do behind the scenes. You got to know what you're doing essentially in order to pull this off. Can she do it? We'll we'll see. Is it too much too soon? I do believe so, but they see something in her. And thankfully she's not the prototypical type they want to go for. It's that, oh, she's blonde and she's this, she's that. She is very in the elk of an AJ Lee or Alita back in the day. She's not the typical beauty queen, so to speak. She's very unique in her own way. And that's a good thing. And there's hoping that they're putting her in positions to succeed. And Natty is the ace to do that. And if they can perform a miracle, I'm all in. But after that, She's got to carry other people along the way. And we'll see how far it goes from there.
0: Well, and I, I think that's going to I mean, I think that's the big test for all of the the 2.0 guys is guys and girls is what do you do when you're not in there with somebody who's who's a 20 year veteran? You know, like I, I think it's so easy to forget or at least for me. And, you know, a lot of these guys and girls have been doing this 15 to 20 years, even though, you know, they're they're newer faces for, uh, you know, for for me, like six, seven years. I say newer, but they've been doing it for 15 to 20 years. Like what happens when they're not in the ring with them? Like this Braun, I I don't know. I don't know a lot about Joe Gacy as far as how long he's been wrestling. I don't know if he's a 15, 20 year veteran. He doesn't look nearly as old if he is. But like that's going to be an interesting test for Braun. Cora Jade like you said after this Natalia thing that's an interesting test clearly they didn't have the faith in her like that that is one thing i that's really sticking out to me is she had the singles match but they went out of their way to change it, it was like yeah we, we this isn't going to work so who they stick her with after this Natalia thing i think is going to be very telling if she gets another title shot and goes back after Mandy Rose and gets that one on one i think they would have i think it shows that they're like all right she's ready if she doesn't and it's more of a because you either you from Natalia, you're either going to the title or you're taking a step down. So if she takes a step down, I think that tells us she's not ready yet.
2: Exactly. And they've done this twice already. They did it for New Year's Evil against Mandy Rose when they threw in Raquel Gonzalez again. And they did it at WrestleMania right. back or I should say WrestleMania weekend for Santa and deliver. So they've done this twice now. At one point, the training wheels have got to come off. And you got to trust her and she's got to hold up her end as well. But sometimes I keep saying it's too much too soon. You cannot make people become good within six months. Everybody cannot be a bond breaker or a Tony D'Angelo. It does not happen at the same rate for everybody. And that might be a hard lesson learned eventually for Cora J. But as always, and with all things on NXT 2.0, we shall see as we make our way through the gauntlet match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. Five tag teams were vying for these belts, including the Creed Brothers, Legado De Fantasmas, Cruz del Toro, formerly known as Ro Mendoza, and Joaquin Wilde. Also in the running was Brooks and Dunn and... Grace and Waller and Sangha. And finally, Pretty Deadly. And I thought this was a very nice showcase for the Creed Brothers, who worked their asses off. They were tired by the time this match was over. They went through it. Julius was just flying over the ropes, just tired. Brutus was just hanging out by the turnbuckle, barely standing, and and pretty deadly was the last team in. And they put the boots to the Creed Brothers and won the NXT Tag Team Titles. Honestly, the best matchup was Legato versus the Creeds during the first five or ten minutes. That was really fun. Brooks and Dunn got too much offense for me. Brooks and Dunn powerbombing Brutus was a choice. Slowed down the pace a bit. I did not like that aspect very much. Things got a bit better with Grayson Waller and Sanga, but I'm not feeling Sanga very much as the big guy in charge of that tag team alongside Grayson Waller, who is healed from his arm injury. And he's a great actor because we thought he broke his arm when he fell on that ladder at Sun and Deliver nearly two weeks ago. And... Pretty deadly. Great tag team. They did some great work in NXT UK, and I love their Twitter game, posing in bed with the tag team titles. Bed and breakfast. Love the vibe. And here's hoping they get over on 2.0. But the long game is obviously the Creed Brothers being in chase mode for a bit, trying to get these titles eventually. And they will. And it will be a great moment. And hopefully it happens close to the year they made their debut on the last days of Black and Gold NXT on site. I love them. They were reckless. They were really good. And they've grown so much since then. There's a ways to go for them. But I like what they offer in the ring. And they are going to be a great tag team someday, very, very soon. But let's hold off on the belts a little while longer and make a count possibly in your house or the Great American Bash in July.
0: Yeah, this is a really good match. Uh, the Creed brothers, I, you know, at the end, Yeah, you know, you mentioned they looked tired. I couldn't tell if they were selling or if they were genuinely just exhausted. And one thing about the Creed, a Creed Brothers match, man, I'm gonna tell you what—that thing feels like a fight. They lay some of those shots in, and that little, that dropping clothesline to the ground, man, those all look brutal. Every single one. And Brutus's, oh my goodness, like. I they're they're a really fun tag team like and they they have some, and this this went a long way one thing WWE seems to always get right at every level male female tag team they get the gauntlet match right when they want to get a guy a girl or a team over they do a really good job with the gauntlet matches um, you know we we've seen it multiple times that's how Kofi Mania got started you know, going long in a gauntlet match. Seth Rollins beating Roman Reigns and John Cena in the gauntlet match. We, we've we seen this happen before. Uh, so the Creed brothers, they more than held their own. They did a great job. I agree with you. The first matchup was the best one. Uh, Brooks and Dunn got one too many offensive moves in, and they need to go back down on the old dirt road um, <laughs> because uh, I believe that they should have been the first team eliminated way too much offense for them for where how they've been presented. Just and I get that you 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 know you can play it off as them being tired, but n- nah, not not Brooks and Dunn. I pretty pretty deadly was a lot of fun. This is I haven't seen a lot of them. I've think I've seen one match of them on NXT UK. They were a lot of fun to watch. I actually really enjoyed them here. Um, I think they're gonna be really good a really good heel foil for the Creed Brothers and Malcolm Bivens, him on the outside, when they lost the match, his facial reactions were were really good, and one other moment I do want to touch on, as far as the Creed Brother goes, and this this face turn this you know this baby face run they seem to be getting ready to embark on this real baby face run. One thing I really liked was when they were doing the the wheel thing, and this is gonna come up again for. Um, one of my 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 my, my uh, hidden gems that I enjoyed, but they they did the wheel thing, and they got their number. You know wh- where they were going to start it, and I liked the little touch of them saying, "I wouldn't want it any other way." And obviously, they came out first, but that's a true babyface thing to do. I wouldn't want it any other way. And you saw the complete opposite reaction when Pretty Deadly got their number, and they were like, "Yeah, all right, we're good, we're good." I love that from the Creed Brothers. Even Malcolm Bivens, you could see it in his face. He was like, it's not the best, but we're we gonna handle it. We're gonna do our thing because that's who we are. Like, I I love the pride that they have as a unit and as a group, and that's a babyface team that you can get behind because they have pride in what they do. I I just that's a little thing that I think went a long way for them to just be like, hey, this is how we're going to handle it we're going to take out every single tag team on the way to those titles i love that little touch they added
2: me too it was confidence that you knew that you wanted to be the first ones in there whooping ass and winning the whole thing but i gotta say the end of the show was even better when they were so sad and they were so tired and they were heartbroken and Julius, his face, like I wanted to give him a, like a basket of puppies to say, I'm so sorry that you lost. It was so tragic. And Brutus leaning over, it was such a great visual of them being devastated over this loss. And Malcolm Biv was just down like, Oh Lord, like, My boys didn't get the job done, but they're going to try, try again. So I love that visual of them being depressed and pretty deadly, living their best life on the main stage. A great ending to the show in terms of emotion. As we segue into more tag team goodness on Friday night, Smackdown on Fox going down live from Worcester, Massachusetts. And I have got to call out Randy Orton and the Usos for spitting that hot fire on the mic. This is how you run through your career. Like bosses. The Uso saying, we've been down since birth. We know each other front to back, back and forth, side to side, up and down, high and low. We know who we are. And Randy fucking Orton, he went off from the dome. I've been in the game 20 years. I know your family. I know your cousins. I know your uncles. I got love for them. You're assholes, though. I see you. I see you. I see you in these belts. I see that your cousin, the big dog, let the bitches off the leash once again. And I'm just here to let you know who I am. And Randy was on fire. I think he almost committed several FCC violations. He had to control himself. But he was on fire. And when he came out there, the crowd was going crazy for him. And the crowd just amped him up even more. And the Usos gave him life to cut one of the best promos of his career, And it all came from the dome. I love that. And I honestly believe this is the best Randy I've ever seen in terms of just being there in the moment, enjoying himself, loving the tag team with RK bro. And I know that Randy's gotten a lot of flack and criticism throughout his career for not being as invested, for not caring as much as he should about certain stuff. And I completely get that. I've been on him, too. But 2011 Randy Orton and 2020 through today's Randy Orton has been exceptional in the pocket, cutting promos, delivering great matches and really elevating his career via this tag team with Riddle. He has been on point throughout all of this. And he deserves his flowers and respect for that. Tag team wrestling spotlighted in the main event spot on Raw and SmackDown this week is great to see. This unification match for both the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles going down at WrestleMania Backlash could main event the entire show. That's how big time this is. Randy is by far with a few exceptions the most over baby face in wwe he's got the best hot tag the fans go crazy for him he's very savvy and how he lays out those moments perfectly hitting the rko going for the draping ddt hitting the suplexes everything has intention and meaning behind it and i know that Randy might not be everybody's cup of tea, but you got to appreciate and respect what he's doing in the here and now because I think it's attributed to the fact that he's been in the game for 20 years this year. And as you get older and wiser, you get to appreciate and love this a bit more because you do see the twilight years of your career. Let's not pretend The Undertaker was all that up until maybe 15, 16 years ago, turning out bangers at WrestleMania. We're not going to reminisce and say, oh man, WrestleMania is one through 10 for him or great. No. But as he got older, He got in the pocket and Randy is doing the same thing right now. And you did a what if Scott of things that could have been in wrestling. Here's a big, what if let's say that Randy Orton during contract negotiations in 2019 decided to go to AEW and we have the trios title in the year 2022. And there is a certain tag team that loves themselves from Randy Orton. And that tag team is the best tag, the best damn tag team in the world today FTR, who is double belted. If you got Randy Orton FTR as a trios tag team, you cannot tell me this Randy Orton would not be as electric and as great in AEW with a tag team that loves him and he loves them, tearing it up against the elite and other teams on this roster, House of Black, for example. You got so many options. The Blackpool Combat Club, all of these mash combinations on this show. You can't tell me that Randy would not be living his best life alongside that tag team, putting on bangers just as much as he would in WWE. That's how over and committed Randy Orton is right now. This committed, happy-ass Randy Orton is the best Randy Orton. That was very clear this Friday on SmackDown.
0: Uh, FTRKO was one of my favorite three-man groups. I thought it was very short-lived during Kofi's reign. And I actually was here for uh, a title switch there. I, I actually was, I mean, I I really enjoyed Kofi's reign. I was probably one of the few who thought he had a really good reign, but um, yeah, I I thoroughly enjoyed that group. And I think those three would be a lot of fun. And I think he would be uh, doing this same type of work, uh, especially in a unscripted environment, but that could also be dangerous because he was, like you said, he was very, he said, freak it a couple of times. He was like, freak it, you know, and you know what he really wanted to say. So him unscripted, that could really be a problem on live TV. <laughs> um, but it could also chaos for a lot of great TV too. But I mean, he, I, I mentioned it earlier, like the reaction he got, they got the massive reaction coming out. They took a second, they took an encore. Like they, they genuinely took an encore just to soak it in. Riddle's face. Selling the entire promo. Like Randy getting hype about it. And Randy's like, oh, you know, you, you said record for the, we were the longest reign. I've been setting records for 20 plus years. This dude was in his, he was in his bag, man. <laughs> like this was a great. I Randy Orton is my favorite wrestler of all time. And this might have been one of his greatest promos he's ever cut as far as energy. Life and just really throwing the cup throwing some zingers out there and and let and then I like the ending touch where he was, you know, we're the three most dangerous RK bro. But he kept the mic I was like, oh, and and about that challenge, yeah, we'll we'll do that too. That's 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 Randy. That is what that's how he is. That's his persona. He's like, Oh, by the way, yeah, I'll take that too. Love, love all of that, man. This is I, I'm I think Randy Orton should be challenging Roman Reigns after WrestleMania backlash. I think you 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 might as well we don't nobody thinks Roman's gonna lose the title anytime soon anyway. So let's just get good matches out of it. Let's just get great crowd reactions out of it. I would have Randy and Riddle in then succeeding months have individual shots at Roman Reigns because I would have those two win the belts. I would have them unify the belts and be like, hey, Roman, look what we got. Now it's time to come for yours. I think you got two excellent title matches right there, and you have a great story that just can continue to build. And it gives Reign something to do, and you know that's completely separate because the only thing interesting he's really done has been Brock. So this gives him something to do, keeps the bloodline interesting. You keep the top baby faces now. You have them going against the top heels. Man, that's magic right there. I I, I would have RK Bro win those titles, unify them. Randy Orton and Riddle each go after Roman Reigns, whether it's them saying, you know, you if you beat us both, we'll put these tag titles back on the line against, you know, something like that. Or, you know, it's just he they keep, you know, dogging him. Like, look what we got. Look what and he's like. You know, that's enough. I'll take you both on something like that. But I think you have a ready made story right here. Um, and it's all due to how great a baby face is RK bro are.
2: Yeah, they're great right now. And Randy is living his best life and he definitely lived it up during the main event, which I'll get to shortly, but a really great way to open up SmackDown. And Triple H always had that famous saying that Randy did not truly know how great he was because sometimes he just coasted. And when he's not coasting, my God, he's great. And it's been fun to watch him really enjoy himself and really enjoy the strands that Ritter has been providing as of late. The strains and the strands of the kilos of the four (laughs) twenties has been great and he has been lit. And I can tell last night, he was really, really high on life. And now it's time to talk about a really good match on SmackDown on Friday night featuring Rhea Ripley versus one half of the, Women's Tag Team Champions, Naomi. I really enjoyed this match. It was good. They got time and Naomi continues her streak of really good matches this year. And all I could think about is why are we still having Charlotte Flair and Londa Rousey feuding when we've got Naomi and Sasha and Rhea Ripley right there. And you got to live on the side as well. And we can build an entire summer of great singles matches for the SmackDown Women's Championship, but unfortunately is going to go to Ronda Rousey. And it's all going to be mid to quote MJF. And it's going to be lame and terrible. But here, this little nugget of goodness is really good match back and forth and nice clash of styles. Rhea was powerful. Naomi was laying in strikes and just laying in her shit last night. And I love the finish of Naomi fighting out of the Riptide several times and Rhea hits it for the win. But I thought this is a well put together match. I'm not here for all the 50-50 regarding wins and losses on the single side of things, but the tag team match on Monday involving Naomi and Sasha Banks defending those titles against Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan should be very good, if not great, if given the time, based on what they did prior to WrestleMania, I do project a Rhea Ripley heel turn, but at least it was fun while it lasted as she hopefully moves up to being the pillar she should be on Monday nights.
0: I thought I was okay. I I'm you know, I'm not quite as high on Naomi in the ring as a lot of people are. I know I saw a lot of people uh very high on this match. It just it was okay for me. Uh I still think Rhea and Sasha are both being wasted in the tag division, but I understand that's this is how you elevate the tag division. Uh it's not the the title that makes the, per- the person it is the person who makes the title. So having these women, these top tier women in this division does elevate it. So there is that, but you know, man, I'm watching this match and, and I'm, I see the post-match angle where, you know, Rhea pins her and she goes right into Sasha's face. And Sasha has that look like, and I'm thinking to myself, man, what a great singles title feud. This would be if Sasha was the heel champion, trying to dodge Rhea Ripley, as she gets one step closer to getting her title match, man, man, what a great feud this could be, even with Liv and, and Naomi on the side, you know, standing up by whoever. I, I just that face off right there—that's the magic I want. That's that's the matchup right there. That's money. Her reaction to Rhea and Rhea sticking that tongue out like I'm here and I'm coming—that's that's money, man. She is money. She is a top tier talent, and they. They better stop playing around, man. Like she, that that's that's the money matchup right there, and that's all I could think about after I watched this. Yes. Sasha should be feuding with Rhea.
2: Yes, in a perfect world, but Ronda Rousey is about to have this division lockdown, unfortunately, and we're not going to get any of that anytime soon.
0: Even if you had Ronda doing that, you could still have like this is what I'm talking about. Like, why can't you have a singles women's feud that doesn't
2: have the title? I know. I, why is that a problem? I know. And they can do it. It's not impossible. They're going to have to do it because when you have Ronda with the belt, unfortunately, it's going to happen. But you have to do that. You have to build other feuds up, not around the championship. And Rhea and Sasha fits the bill, but they won't do it. They will not do it for reasons I don't understand. And they used to know how to do it and they won't do it on this show. And you desperately need to build people up. And the best way to do that is to have solo feuds not around this title, but WWE cannot get out of their own way. And now it's time to talk about Scott's doomsday scenario. (laughs) That he had the nerve to tweet on Friday night saying that he would love to see Jenna Mahal become the new Intercontinental Champion. I told him, "Trek Calphari, please don't speak this into existence because before Scott was a permanent co-host on this show, I predicted that it would not be impossible to see King Jinder Mahal as the new king of the ring. And he shot me down. He shamed me for even (laughs) speaking this into existence. So I find it very interesting. He decides to say, go gender. Let's not hinder gender. And he's trying to rewrite gender's history as former WWE champion five years ago. I want to clarify this in saying that Jenna Mahal will never be that guy for me. I would never look back on his reign fondly. I would not go back in time and say, damn, it wasn't that bad. It was that bad. (laughs) Pujambi prison match anyone. Randy Orton, despite his greatness today, cannot salvage that shit. So no, he does not get a free pass for me. And therefore... I was very happy when Ricochet kicked that man's ass in five minutes or less. He delivered springboard clotheslines. He delivered high cross bodies from the top rope. He hit the cold breaker and a beautiful, stunning shooting star press with air and height for the win. So gender, thank you for delivering your second greatest performance of your career (laughs) right outside the night you lost the WWE Championship to AJ Styles in London. Five years ago, almost. So congrats to you, sir. And I'm sorry, Scott, that your dream scenario went up in smoke like Riddle and RKO's supply.
0: So uh, all all of that is very fair. Um, I I, I do want to point out, I, I think this is a here's a little breaking a little kayfabe right here in the show notes. I would just like to say that Keela has it listed as doomsday is avoided. (laughs) <laughs> Ricochet versus Gender Mahal for the IC title. I just want everyone to know how that is laid out. <laughs> and when, when I saw that, I I, her, I thought that was absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, th- you know what? This was a good. This was a really good win for Ricochet. Um, i I was absolutely here for Gender winning it. I I'm all for the meltdown that would have happened if Gender Mahal of all people would have beat Ricochet. Of all people for the IC title I, I would have been here for all that um, I don't hate Ricochet in the same way that most I, I thought his reign was fine uh, He shouldn't have been WWE champion I think that's where the problem is If he would have been US champion I don't think he'd have nearly the backlash That he got um, I actually do agree with Keela. This probably was his second best match he's ever had in his life. Um, with a close third being that match he had with Seth Rollins for the inaugural NXT championship, uh, which was surprisingly good. Um, this, this was what it needed to be for Ricochet if that's what they're going to do. If gender's, you know, gender, this is exactly what gender can be. And he can be solid at it. Just a, a bigger guy who can get people to hate him. He can get a reaction. He can beat some, you know, beat some of the lower, mid-card, lower guys. And then Ricochet can come in and just dominate him. That, that's a, a perfect use of gender and, and Ricochet right here. What are you going to do with Ricochet going forward it's time to start facing some bigger names, man. If you're going to have a unified title, that means the IC and the U.S. title have got to be elevated. you got to start facing some bigger names. If Drew McIntyre is not going to face Roman Reigns anytime soon or it's going to be safe for that U.K. show, let's put the belt on Drew for a little bit.
2: I'm game for that. I would love to see that or Gunther in the mix as well. That would Gunther's be a lot a of fun. Call. great call. Yes, and one call I wished that WWE would make in that if they could reconcile and work through their shit if you get mustafa ali back that would be the feud Mm -hmm. to go to against ricochet They did some things on SmackDown prior to Mustafa leaving the company for reasons. He wants to be released from WWE. I completely understand it. If Cody Luther King can broker a meeting between Vince McMahon and (laughs) Mustafa Ali and say, let's settle our differences, let's air it all out, let's clear the air. If that were to happen, give me a best of seven series between Ricochet and Ali And it would be perfect. They teased this on SmackDown prior to his leaving WWE. He wants to go. I get it. But if they were able to work things out, that would be the few to go to. That would be a way to elevate the status of this championship and give both guys something meaningful to do and find a way to get over at this point. That would be the dream for me. It's not going to happen. But I'm telling Cody Luther King, do what you need to do, sir. Broker peace. Only you can solve this at this point.
0: You know, I, I, speaking of that, they had a series of matches on main event as well. Uh, I think it might have been 3 weeks straight, uh Ricochet and Mustafa Ali when they were on the Raw brand, um that were really good. they were really good, uh, really good man match- And this I I don't know if this was, this might've been pandemic era, but they had, it was a stretch of three matches they had that were really good. And, And Mustafa Ali was the heel here. It was, they were really good matches. So yeah, I would be all for that, especially if they just let them go, just give them 15 and let them do what they want.
2: Yeah, I hope it happens. I doubt it, but that would be the go-to besides, of course, Gunther or Drew McIntyre at this point against Ricochet to elevate that title to even more heights heading into the heart of the summer season. Now it's time to talk about our main event, which is Riddle versus Jimmy Uso. And this was a really good main event. A lot of strikes from both men. At one point, we had Jimmy send Riddle over the barricade via a super kick, and Riddle responds with some nice strikes in these and a GTS a go to sleep in a WWE ring and a snap German suplex as well. He goes up top of the floating blow of uh, the floating, the floating bro. And Jimmy gets his knees up to block it. And we have some sh- shenanigans from Jay Uso who gets on the apron. He knocks Riddle off and that leads her a super kick by Jimmy to Riddle. Randy gets involved at one point as well as he drops Jay with a belly to back suplex on the announce table. And the closing sequence is Jay, Jimmy going for a Samoan drop, but Riddle counters that into an RKO out of nowhere. And Randy fucking Orton is absolutely going crazy. He cannot believe this happened. He gets in the ring to celebrate prematurely. The referee says, oh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. Let me count one two three and then randy is running around pointing at this saying look at this look at this look at this randy orton outside of the time he did the splits in midair randomly on an episode of smackdown this was the happiest he's ever been to wrap up a show he was ecstatic. i loved the finish of this match it was a really nice way to end the show and this continues the streak of randy orton living his best damn life in the year 2022, he was excited for his partner. He was marking out, having a good time, and what a way to end Smackdown via that move that was pretty damn cool that made Pat McAfee's reaction pretty muted compared to Randy Orton, who went absolutely crazy in the ring.
0: Yeah, and I, I do just want to point out that it was a a pop-up, a he went it was a pop-up counter into an RKO. Uh Jimmy popped riddle into the air and I didn't even see that coming, man. He caught him with an RKO coming down. It, it, it felt reminiscent of, think of, if, if you haven't seen it, picture The Undertaker, R- uh, Randy Orton's RKO on The Undertaker from WrestleMania 21, one of his more iconic ones. It was very similar to that. I, I'm i thinking more and more and more that, you know, hopefully, I, I think Matt Riddle at the end of all of this feud with Randy Orton has to take the RKO as his finisher, like that. That has to be the the natural progression, especially since it already fits his name, Riddle RKO. Like I, I, I think like this is the story here for Riddle and Randy Orton is just beautifully done. They are, they're probably the best baby faces in WWE right now. I think maybe Bianca Belair is maybe the only other one, but even she's getting some boo birds. They might be the only true baby faces that don't get any type of booze. Brock Lesnar, but he's not around. He's going to take a little time off and it's, it's great to see. And you mentioned Randy, he ran in the ring long before the riddle even got on top of him. It was like, Whoa, my God. It reminded me of a story. Seth Rollins told, um, about Randy on, on a podcast, it might have been it might have been a Jericho, or maybe it was Steve Austin on the Broken Skull. I can't remember, but uh, they talked about the RKO that Rollins got or that Randy hit on Rollins at WrestleMania, where he jumped off his back on this curb stomp, he threw him up and then caught him, and. You know, uh, Rollins said that Randy was always real careful about stuff and always wants to make sure things are perfect, especially in the bigger matches. And he said they practiced it and and went over the move and tried to hit it a couple times and they missed it. And then the day of uh, Randy was like, you know what? I don't ever take no chances. It's WrestleMania. Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's just see what happens. Um. The and so they went out there and did it. And Rollins said that when he hit the move, and you could see it during the match, mm-hmm. Randy gets so excited. And he's just saying like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and I'm laying down saying, "Cover me, cover me, cover <laughs> me." It, re- it just reminded me of that. Like Randy gets so fired up when he when he hits a big move or something like like when he hit the one on on Evan Bourne, and he hit on the Shooting Star press, you see him throwing his fist back and forth. He gets so fired up off this, and it was cool to see him doing it for somebody else. Like, that's a genuine reaction right there, and it was it was really cool to see, man. I'm thoroughly enjoying this side of Randy Orton as someone who's genuinely enjoyed him beforehand, but this is so much fun to see, and I know we're not going to get it but so much longer. So I'm really enjoying this, this fun ride that he's taking us on right now.
2: Yeah, and he's loving every moment of it. And as I mentioned earlier, the splits, when he jumped in midair, did the splits like a cheerleader. That was the next closest time he was really in heaven. He was happy, ecstatic, overjoyed, and this was a very close second on Friday when he hopped in that ring before the referee could even get in position. It was great. And it's just a way to make people care. And Randy is motivated and having the time is the time of his life. As you get older, you do look back on your career and you do wonder what was I doing all those years? Like why Didn't I love it as much as I do now? And that's the realization of, damn, I love this shit. And I'm hitting the back knot of my career right now. It's not going to be like this forever. And as we are evolving as fans and and, and as this business continues to move along, being 40 is now, it's your prime years now to really let loose and have fun. And Randy is realizing that as he approaches 20 years in this game, in a couple of months, and I've watched his entire career, he was... A young a young guy coming up. He was doing shit off the top of ropes. He realized, you know what? Longevity. Can't do that forever. And yes, it can be mon- mon- uh, monotonous and methodical. But when he's in the pocket having a truly great time and is motivated, that is Randy Orton at his best. And I can say for two straight years, dating back to his feud against Edge at WrestleMania, he has been on. Even the shit with The Fiend, when he set the man on fire, Randy Orton was committed to every Fucking thing. Burnt up, fucked up face. He was dedicated to it. And now happy go lucky Randy off the good stuff, the good weed, the 420, he's even better with RK Bro. It's
0: fantastic. I'm I'm here for it. Like I said, I, I think you, you strike while the iron's hot. Um I, I think you should have him win to really keep their momentum going, but I think you go with Randy Orton, you know, challenging or going after Roman Reigns at the next pay-per-view. And I think the easiest way to do that is to have Orton and Riddle unify the titles. You can have the Usos win the titles later on. You know, you can you can have them win those titles at a later date, but to have Orton and Riddle unify those titles, that could really, you know, get under Roman skin, set the stage. It's a, it's a very easy segue, and you get arguably the top, Baby face going against arguably the top heel. It's, uh, you can't ask for a better matchup right now, crowd reaction wise.
2: Absolutely. And hopefully that comes to pass very, very soon as we now transition to our final segment, which is our guilty pleasure slash avoid at all costs. Picks of the week. The things we loved about WWE that we shouldn't and the things we have every right to hate for every possible reason. So, Scott, what are your guilty pleasures and the one thing we should avoid at all costs this week from WWE?
0: So my guilty pleasure is actually going to be something that nobody, most people probably didn't even pay any mind to, and it's probably not even going to be a big deal to them. One thing I used to always love about the Royal Rumble was watching the wrestlers come out and pick their number out of the, you know, pick their ball or pick it out of the little container that they spin to see what they got and, you know, to see their reactions and whatnot. And that was always fun, you know, stuff like that. To see the wheel come back for the gauntlet match, I you know I know it's not a big deal, but I love that, and I think the wheel is something that should come back for the Royal Rumble, for anything that involves numbers. I I absolutely love the wheel. Like that was, and that's that was one of my favorite parts of NXT was the reaction we got, the different reactions we got, the Creed brothers' reaction was perfect and it's because of the wheel the wheel enabled them to do that because you had the the quote-unquote randomized number and then you get the pretty deadly giving it a completely different reaction so I love the wheel and I think it's just a little thing that can add a lot to a character and just give a character something else to do so I I love the wheel Um, as far as what to avoid we we talked about it. Um, you can avoid Twilight, Damian Priest. Um, you can avoid the, the sparkliness. Uh, maybe that's why they didn't show what happened, because when they turned the lights back on, he just sparkled, and everybody like was blinded by the sparkles. They're like, oh, my God, what happened? And then he flew away or something. So it could be something like that. Who, who knows what happened? But one thing you touched on, Keela, that I think is absolutely correct is Edge was like, yeah, again, I'll be there next week. Send me this, send me what you got for next week when you get a chance and I'll let you know if I'm coming because I won't be there to summon any demons this week.
2: No, he took, he took one look at that script and said, you know what? No, you know what? I'm going to spend some time in my newly protected home, upgraded security with Beth and the children. I'm good. See y'all next Monday. And I totally believe that's a possibility because even he would not sign off for that finish because that was absolutely weak and I'm going to make it unanimous Damien Priest, the glowing vampire from Twilight, is my absolutely avoided all costs pick of the week. It was stupid, lame. I hated it. You know why. I explained already why it sucked. But let's talk about My Guilty Pleasure, which is a two-for-one special in on-site mentality. Eddie Kingston says it's on-site all the time on Dynamite. But this week, we took on-site to a completely different level when we had a sit-down interview with... Nikki, Nikita Lyons, and Mackenzie Mitchell from NXT 2.0. And listen, Nikita Lyons' thigh was in. It was right there, center of the frame.
0: It, they, now that was right there. Her, <laughs> her, her thigh <laughs> was literally right there. Listen, I, you know, I'm not one to be like, God dang, but like, she was, she was literally a thirst trap right there. She knew exactly what she was doing. Like, it, God dang. <laughs>
2: That thigh was thying center (laughs) of the screen. And then they did the up close shot like, yeah, thirst trap, but I'm not mad at it. She's a beautiful woman. Nope, not mad at all. But when Lash Legend got in that frame and she booted her ass out of the chair, it was perfect. The timing was everything. And the gif had me laughing every single time because Nikita flew all the way over. Heels up. Just, (laughs) just. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she sailed out of the frame, and Lash talking shit was great. I loved it. It was great shit from both ladies. Another mention was on SmackDown when seamus <laughs> and Ridge Holland lost Butch, and we had Kofi and Xavier doing some kind of autograph signing at nine forty-five at night, just back there in the basement, and just doing whatever, and Butch on site, flies into the frame and goes after Xavier Woods. And Kofi's like, what the fuck? And he tries to... (laughs) (laughs) Came at him like a spider monkey. (laughs) He tries to get up and say, get off my man. Get off him, Butch. It was... Hilarious. No, I'm I miss Pete Dunn dearly. But Vince knows, hey, listen, Pete Dunn wasn't getting over on my fucking show, but Butch. Butch is <laughs> gonna get over. <laughs> hey, but real talk though. Butch might be more over than Pete Dunn.
0: <laughs> while, while we laughing and playing, Butch might be more over
2: already than yes, Pete Yes, He's a fucking meme. He, it's great. He's even making me like Rich Holland because they tied Butch up and said we got him. Oh,
0: like, yeah, that was
1: great. That was, that was funny.
2: Great. So I am slowly warming up to Butch because when you fly into a frame like that.
0: Did and- you see what Nikita Lion said before Lash kicked her? Because I saw the gift that you're talking about. When she turns and looks, she goes, is, is that who I think it is? And then, you, and then the boot just comes in and clocks her. like. It, it is a beautifully shot. It, like that is, it's almost perfectly shot. Cause she, she's talking and she look, is that who I'm? bam. <laughs> she just gets
2: Molly walked. And she flies out of the frame. It was Those great. Those are great choices. Those yes. are great choices. So the cinematography from WWE with on-site, in honor of Eddie Kingston, who might not like sports entertainment. This, these on-site beatdowns was great sports entertainment. That made me laugh. And right now I'm in tears because... It was awesome. And that is Things Done Right by WWE Production that hit on all cylinders. And with that, this wraps up a very entertaining episode of The Wrap. Thank you for joining us as always as we go through the rabbit hole of all things WWE for your listening pleasure. So, Scott, as always, I want to thank you for joining me per the usual, the dish on all things WWE during the week.
0: Yes, uh, it's always a pleasure, as I said, to chop it up with you. This was a, a good week. Uh, we, we got a load off, especially when it comes to a lot of the nonsense, like Damian Priest glistening in the night. But uh, hopefully next week we will have a, a better week to talk about. As um, long as we don't go backwards like we did last week, we'll be good.
2: Yes, hopefully we can stay the course heading into WrestleMania Backlash in a few weeks time on Peacock and we got you covered there. So we'll be back next week covering all things WWE once again to get you ready for the next premium live event. So for Scott and myself, enjoy the week. And that's a wrap on all things WWE.